Love works. You know what it is now, right? Like that phrase is really the inspiration behind this message and what Felicia has brought to us, how we've been able to partner together with this love works movement that begins now and it goes all the way to the end of the year. We pray that God will unleash a work of love through our time and energy and efforts. And so we've asked our small groups and groups of all kinds to take the lead on this. We gathered them, I think, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, to give them a little preview heads up and to have them start signing up for projects for serving opportunities all over Chicagoland. And have you seen, how many of you have seen the cards at the Serve Center in the comments? Yeah? That means a lot of you, after service, get to go check them out right after this. Because there's, I think these are just the next couple months, right? We have 35-something projects up there, 40? 40 projects already up, and they're just going to keep coming throughout the whole year. So there will be something that kind of piques your interest, that moves your heart, that says, you know what, we can do that. But we want to do it in community. This is why we've asked our small groups to take lead. We want our groups serving together. And if you're not in a group or a class or connected anywhere, and you find a project you're excited about, you are going to find yourself in community with others, maybe people you don't even know yet. But the project is going to be a genesis for some new relationships. And I think some long-term relationships because there's just something about giving your life away with others that creates a bond. And we're going to talk more about that today. So will you go check it out today or in the weeks to come? This is going to be a very responsive sermon, so I need a little more effort. You can go check it out? All right. Well, as I thought about that love works phrase, it just like two parallel tracks started for me. There was almost like two sides to a coin. Love works and love actually works. Clear as mud, right? Love works. Love takes investment. Love is an action word. And when we start giving our time and our energy, sometimes our sweat and tears, sometimes our celebration and encouragement, sometimes our labor, sometimes our kindness, sometimes our help, sometimes serving formal projects like what we have out there. When we serve that way, we've got to make a decision to, to move from where we're at to take a step towards others, to take a step towards causes for God's glory. It just doesn't happen. And today, we are also doing a little celebration. We've got a living picture among us right now of what we're calling our MVVs, our most valuable volunteers. As you walked in, hopefully someone says, have you served in the life of the church this last year? And if so, they handed you a sticker. So here's what I want to do. Don't clap yet, because we're going to clap in just a second. And our volunteers aren't even asking for this, nor probably want it, but you're worth celebrating. Would anyone... In any capacity that has served in the life of the church this past year, just stand up. Go ahead. Don't be shy. Don't clap yet. Now, how many of you need a sticker? All right, here's what we're going to do, because this is, like, really important. Okay? I need five volunteers right now to come forward. It's going to be really easy. One, two, Tara Beth, you're the team captain. Grant, pass out those stickers. Hold on, not yet, not yet. We need uh, two more. Come on. We have five rows. We have five volunteers. Mark Davies, awesome. So when I say go, you have 60 seconds. Wait, Tara Beth, you're cheating. You can't start yet. 
When I say go, you have 60 seconds to get a sticker in the hand of everyone who doesn't have one with their hand up. Ready, set, go. You're at 10 seconds. Everyone who served in the life of the church in some way, whether it's even once. You're at 20 seconds. Oh. Thanks, Grant. You know, I get paid to be good. You're kind of good for nothing, you know? <laughs> All right. You guys did it like 30 seconds. I'm going to have to shrink it down for the next next group. Okay, now I want you to just look around. These people in some way have helped this church be and become what it is. All of us are connected in it, but they have in some way, because it takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people week in, week out, month in, month out, to give us the experience, to help us with the programs, to be the church that we are. So I just want to say thank you for all that you have done. And can we just show our appreciation to them and just celebrate them, our MVVs. Thank you all. Thank you. So love works, right? These folks, even our our volunteers that just stood up, there's times I would bet that they said, I I don't even know if I want to show up today. I'm kind of tired. And those kids in my third grade class are driving me crazy. But they showed up anyway, and I experienced something. They were, they were probably glad that they did, which ties into the second kind of meaning of the love works. Not only does it invest, love actually works. Something amazing happens because it touches. It transforms. Love influences. It communicates. It reveals. It changes. Not just those who are the recipients of the love, Right? Whether it's at the food pantry, whether it's in the third grade children's class, whether it's with the high schooler, whether it's with the hospitality team giving that warm handshake to somebody that was just down, it has an impact. But not only for them, but it also impacts you. When we give our time and energy, how many of you have served in some way, could be with the church or could be outside the church, that it cost you something to do it, but afterwards you were like, Golly, I am blessed. Like, I am so glad I've done that. How many of you have experienced that moment? Yeah, isn't that incredible? I think God made it that way. Because he says it's good to live the good life for the sake of others and for me. And so we never kind of do it for our own benefit, but we find ourselves in the process being blessed as we give our lives away because love influences and it impacts. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount he reveals this to us. In the early church, if you read Acts and the other writings of Paul, you find that the church not only discovered that love works, but that love works was a way of doing life together. It's what it meant to be the church. Not just the projects they did, but it became who they were. <clears throat> we're going to do a little Bible study because Tara Beth led us in Matthew chapter 5 with the Uh, Sermon on the Mount, the salt and light passage, which is a great passage. But the context of that, when you understand what's going on in and around those passages, all of a sudden those words begin to carry more weight. If you go back a couple chapters, Jesus 
comes onto the scene. He's baptized. He goes into the wilderness, comes back. John the Baptist is put in prison. So his ministry is coming to a close and Jesus's ministry is beginning. And in Matthew four seventeen, we read this from that time on. This is after John's in prison. Jesus began to preach, meaning gospel. Jesus began to gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. That was the gospel of Jesus. The kingdom of God, it's here. This is what you've been waiting for. And then when you fast forward, right before the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, right, it begins this way. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, literally gospeling the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and the regions across the Jordan followed him. And then Matthew 5 begins and says, And Jesus went up on the hillside and he gathered his disciples, his followers, and he began to teach them. And that's where we have the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins in chapter 4. And it actually goes all the way to chapter 9. But the, the, the introduction to love works that Jesus gives us says it's all about how we use our words. Jesus taught. He proclaimed. Right? His words carried meaning in the lives of the people he was with. It included intentional service, serving others, giving himself away for the sake of others to bring healing and restoration to call people to him. And it, and it also resulted in the impact of lives. Lives changed because of his words, because of his service. Matthew 4 sets the stage. Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount that your Bibles have, right? Your, the old Bibles or scrolls, they didn't have all these subheadings. Like those are cheaters for us, okay? But then for three chapters, Jesus tells us what the kingdom of God is like how to live in the kingdom of God and what kind of people find themselves in the kingdom of God because this was his mission. And then interesting in 8 and 9, the Sermon on the Mount actually continues and what we find is Jesus takes action on all those things he just said. He puts, he's becomes the hands and feet of his very words. And we find Jesus, if you just looked at your headings, go home, if you have your Bibles, you can look at it, but just look at the headings in those next two chapters and you find that Jesus heals and restores. He calms, forgives. He calls people to him. He provides real answers to real questions. He brings new life. And he prays that more and more people would take on this mission. That we become like him in what he's doing, both in his words and in his service. And then the Sermon on the Mount, kind of that section of scripture kind of comes to a close. Matthew chapter 10 begins... And if you have your Bibles, you'll see this. It begins with Jesus now saying, go. He sends his followers out to proclaim, to teach what he was teaching, and to serve in the ways that he was serving. And that mission is what Jesus extends to us even today. Love works. So now when we go back to Matthew 5, 13 through 16, the salt and light passage, it carries a little more weight because we understand what love works means. Now, when we hear these words of salt and light, Jesus says, you are 
the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. The light pollution in Chicago teaches me that. And when I sit late at night, sometimes 11 o'clock in my backyard, it's like it's dawn because it's just so lit up in the back. Anyway, that's an excursus. You can ignore that. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, instead they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others. Why? That they may see your good deeds, the good deeds of the kingdom, the things that Jesus was doing, so that they will glorify your Father in heaven. I want to share just a few points now that we understand the context of what Jesus is saying to us in this great passage. First, don't miss the value of salt and light. Salt and light are designed to impact whatever they touch. These two things were essential to life at that time. Salt represented the land where people lived and worked and walked and moved throughout their day. And it was to season and preserve. Like salt was such a core quality of their life, people would have made the connection of how important salt is to life and also light. You know, we didn't, they didn't flip on their new LED bulbs that last 22 years like I just got at Costco. They had their little terracotta lamps, right, that they needed. And light is this great metaphor in Scripture pointing people down the pathway of God. It was essential to their culture and life. Second, there are consequences if salt does not salt and light does not enlighten. Because the very nature of salt and light is to impact. That is its purpose. That is what it does. And when it stops doing that, when it stops fulfilling its purpose, it divorces itself from what it was created to be and do it. It forsakes its own identity. And Jesus says when that happens, it's worthless. John Stott says it's like road dust that just gets thrown out. And the challenge with this is that this isn't written for people like out there. These were, this was written to Jesus' followers. And so for me, it makes me sit up a little straighter and ask a few questions of saying, am I being salt and light? Are we being salt and light? James, Jesus' brother, who wrote later in the New Testament, I think was thinking of this passage when he says, you have faith without works. He goes, can that kind of faith even save you? It says, faith without works is dead, useless. Later, he goes on to say, if you know the good, the good deeds you ought to do, the deeds of the kingdom, and you don't do it, that's sin. We don't quite flag these with kind of the weight that they carry, but I think Jesus was pretty serious about this. In other words, we live a consequential life because we have a purpose and we have an identity in Jesus. And he's saying, this is who you are and this is how you are to live. That's our purpose on this planet. It is the mission that drives us as his church. Related, Jesus says, you are, you are. Jesus was bestowing this influence, this impact on his followers. And, and we don't have the, we're, we're, we're removed far enough from the ancient context. But when Jesus says, you are the salt and the light, 
What Jesus is in effect saying is that it's you, not the temple, not the law that dominates our lives, not the Pharisees or the religious leaders. People would have thought that that would have been the salt and light, the center of what it's all about. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's you. You now are the salt and the light. For our church, it means it's not our building. It's not our services or our lighting schemes or our programs or our budgets or anything else. It's you and me. Us. We are salt. We are light. This transfer of influence was monumental for Jesus' hearers. And I think it's equally as monumental for us because it raises the value of who we are, not individually, but together. We are salt and we are light. And that you, when Jesus said you are the you, it's actually a we. When Jesus said you are the salt and light, his followers would have looked to their left and their right, and they would have, their immediate reaction would have been like, we are? We live in a me first kind of culture, right? Or individualism. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but some of you, when I said you are, you're thinking like, am I salt? Am I light? I know the person next to me is not too, well, they're a little too salty maybe, right? But um, that's not what his original hearers were. Part of my prayer for this message is that 3,000 people, both gathered and those live stream, would not think of themselves first, but would think, would see themselves in the context of the church. This is why we're serving in community with our whole Love Works movement, because it's the church moving together that salts and enlightens. The early church got this. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, it's one of my favorite passages. But listen to how the love works lifestyle was just alive in them. And it says, they, this is the beginning of the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. These people were together. They were investing themselves. They were giving their life away for the sake of God and others. And they were praising God. And then interesting this, enjoying the favor of all the people. Their life together was spilling over and touching the communities and the places where they were living. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That people may glorify your Father in heaven, Jesus said, when they see how you shine together. The senior pastor of the church, when I was in Ohio, loved to say, there's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. Because he had such a vision for what it meant to be the church together, that that witness, that influence, when we move together, people would say there's something different about those people or that person or, you know, that coach or that PTA member and the people that they're connected to. I want to know more about it. I want to be intrigued. They, they found favor with all the people. Can you... I want to shift gears for a second, but have you ever served with a group of people in some way? Or maybe you found yourself in a situation or an ordeal or a 
project or an adventure with others, that the fact that you were together and went through whatever that was together, you found the relationships just growing deeper and deeper and deeper as you served or maybe after the project or whatever the ordeal was, you look back and say like, man, we have some of my best friends came out of that. Have you experienced that? I mean, I've experienced it on the teams that I've played with, with the staff I've served with, when crises hit and how you journey with people. Like there's, there's a word called communitas, right? It's this deepening of relationships when we are united around something bigger than ourselves. I think that's what Jesus is calling us to. The Lord of the Rings is a great story. We've just watched, we were watching the Hobbit movies and then we, my kids are old enough now, we went and watched all the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But it's really a cool story because you have all of these different people or characters that didn't even maybe like each other, that had no interest in being together. But when they were brought together around a mission, around a purpose, bigger than themselves, they found themselves not only growing closer to one another, but that they would die for each other and that nothing was going to keep them from completing their mission. Hobbits and dwarfs, wizards and knights, humans and elves. You can pick who you want to be in that scenario. But it's all the movie, the movies, the TV shows, the realities of life. So often it's the relationships that deepen when we are about something bigger than ourselves together. One of the questions that I hope we wrestle with is this. Do we share a sense of adventure with one another in such a way? And I'm saying like with each other as the church in such a way that our lives are given to the mission and to one another in deepening and deepening ways. Sometimes I think we are, sometimes I think we're not. In a large church, this is one of our challenges. How do we have such a bond and move together in such a way that I'm willing to, to pour my whole life into it? Because Jesus says, you, we, church, are salt and light. And so this is why Love Works is such an important movement for us this next year because it's going to build those bonds of community. It's going to start pulling our hearts to the things of God and to people. I think it's going to be awesome and exciting, and I think it's going to change life around here this next year in a very good way. As I was writing, this is just a God thing, as I was even thinking about putting notes about this, I was in one of my Western Starbucks suburban offices, and, uh, and one of our members, Christchurch members, the lady said, hey, Eric, and I was like, oh, hi, how you doing? And we were chatting, and she said, well, I just came back from another state out east uh, visiting someone in our group. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And she went on to say that this group kind of came together when they did a mission project in the Czech Republic. And they've come to call themselves the Czech Chicks. Okay, and some of them might even be out here. They don't even know I'm sharing this, but the Czech Chicks. And so for a while, they would get together once a month just to have dinner because of the relate, because what happened in them as they served the people in the Czech Republic. And one of the group members moved out east, and so the group traveled to go have dinner together because they miss this person. That's a pretty cool bond. That's what happens when we involve ourselves in God's work together. So why does Jesus call us to salty 
enlightening good works. Do you, is, I, don't, I don't know if it's to boost our self-esteem. I don't think he's saying, like, you need to add a few more to-dos to your list of life. I think we're like, oh, man, I can't add one more thing. I think Jesus calls us this because he knows we need something bigger than ourselves to unite us, to pull us together, and to move us forward as a church. Remember, he says, in the same way, let your light shine. You are collected souls in action. Let that shine, that others may see your good deeds, those deeds connected to the kingdom, so that may glorify your Father in heaven. You know, there's a subtle difference between good deeds, being a nice guy or a nice woman, you know, doing good things, and doing the good deeds that are motivated and connected to the things of Jesus. Any healthy human being can be nice and should be nice, right? They can lend a helping hand. Anybody can do that. Jesus says, even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. But I think Jesus is saying like, yeah, we want to show up. We want to do those good things. But as we do it, there is a way that we do it and who we are, who we bring ourselves, how we bring ourselves into the situations and the words we use with people and and so forth, like it has an impact. It seasons, right? It, it sheds light that it carries weight differently than just simply being nice. And it's much easier and safer, I think, to be nice. One of the other questions that I hope you ask yourself, that if you've been serving anywhere for any period of time, it could even be inside the church but outside the church, is to say is... Are people seeing the hand of God because I'm present and involved and loving and working in this context? Are salt and light happening? Because salt and light are intentional. They has purpose behind it. So I coach a little league team. Right, And I try to exhibit good character most of the time, as long as the umpires are cooperating with me during the games. And, uh, but, you know, so I, like, this isn't like to prop myself up, but I, I look for opportunities to call our boys together. And I say, you know what? I said, boys, you are the best 12-year-olds that Lombard can find. And God has gifted you in an amazing way to throw and to hit and to run and to do those things. Don't waste that gift. Salting. A little bit, right? Through my words, you know, hopefully through my actions, although I'm working on that sometimes in the heat of the, in the, in the battle with the umpires. I don't think umpires need salt and light. I think they need cast out most of the time, but, <laughs> but you, I'm working on it. Someone once said ships are safest in the harbor, but that's not what ships are made for. It's much easier to be the nice guy, to show up, to lend a helping hand. And that's good. We should do that. But as followers of Jesus, when we do it, we, there should also be a little more weight in our presence, in our words, right? That we salt and enlighten wherever we are. So let me close with just two questions or a question and a challenge. One, where has God already planted you? Where are you already planted? In your workplace, in your neighborhood, at the gym, at your home, school, or even in your church? Where has God already planted you? And are people encountering God because you were there? I hope the answer is yes. And if it is, if you're seeing 
some evidence, some fruit of the salt and light, then keep going. Press on. That's good stuff. But if you're scratching your head saying, you know, I don't know. I don't even think they know that I'm a Christian, that I go to church. Then maybe there's an opportunity to ask yourself, what would it look like to be more like Jesus right where he already has me? Is there an opportunity through my words and how I'm serving in my own character and the the motivation for why I'm even here? Do people even know why I'm doing this? Don't be safe. Be a part of the good work. And then second, my challenge is this. As the church gathered here, let's link arms and move together this next year and to take a step to just do one of several things. Or maybe you want to do, yeah, maybe you want to do several things. I would say, let's do a Love Works project. If you're in a group, get your group to serve. If you're not in a group, find a project that you love, that excites you, and find yourself connected in community with others and being part of a great work of God, serving others for his sake and for their sake. That's one opportunity. Another one is volunteer for a ministry here or be involved in some way. There's so many ways that you can just help and use your gifts and your time. I hope we have to print a thousand more stickers, MVV stickers next year. That is your reward. If you give your time and labor, you will get a sticker this time next year. I mean, that's not only do we have Jesus's motivation, now we have that motivation as well. You know, we have all kinds of opportunities this summer with VBS, with our early childhood ministry. Maybe it's get involved. It's one of our best outreaches to new families outside the walls of the church and for our own kids to build them up. Go be salt and light with our young ones. Maybe it's joining a ministry team. Maybe it's leading a group, right? Take that step. Some of you, it's time to step out, to stop being safe. Maybe it's taking that extra step wherever God has already planted you because that counts huge because the world is waiting It's waiting to see the sons and daughters of God shine. Can we take on this kind of mission? Can we we be a love works community? Can we? That's what I like right there. Ben, why don't you come forward? Let's pray. God, I pray, we pray, that you would just unleash a movement of life change as we step into the love works way of life that Jesus shows us. Help us to be faithful followers, all consumed with the mission and passion to invest our collected souls into your work. God, may we season our land. May we reveal the light of your love and goodness to a world who needs it. God, may, we, may you be glorified. And may people find their way even daily coming in to your kingdom, into the life of your people, into your church, because they're drawn to it. Lord, this is our prayer. We know that love works. Help us to do the good works of your love, we pray. And God's people said, amen.